All right, so we we are here and we uh, are on Zoom today. So this is the first time ever that we are using Zoom, uh, and reason being in, in Oregon, specifically in our city and in our county, uh, restrictions right now around COVID are are pretty tight, and so we can't be together. And so I'm the only one in studio today. Salam, our co-host is is joining via Zoom, and so is our guest uh, Sue Bloom today on Zoom. And so uh, it's a new experience for us. This is kind of fun. Still get to see your faces. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and sorry, uh, listeners, obviously you can't see their faces, but they look wonderful today. Um, so Sue, I'll just, I want to introduce you a, a little bit uh, to our listeners and then have you um, further introduce yourself as, as well before we get into things. But uh, gosh, I, I feel like, Sue, you were one of the first people and, and leaders that I met when I came up here a few years ago. And um, some of that's by default because, you know, Mountain West, um, you know, is, is invested in, in the Boys and Girls Club and they care about the work that you guys do. And, and I know that uh, uh, we care about you as a leader. So I naturally kind of was, was directed to you to meet you, but always been um, impressed with you. Uh, and by the way, I, I said it already, but Sue works with the Boys and Girls Club here in, in our community. And she is the executive director there. And our Boys and Girls Club here, they're different all over the all over the country. So um, you never get the same thing twice, at least from my experience. But the way that it's ran here and in, in our community is is really incredible. It's I think it's a, one of our standout nonprofits here. Um, and a great example uh, to me, a great example to to our community. I know that it stems a lot from from your leadership. And um, Sue is also involved in so many other things in, in our community. I feel like pre-COVID, when I'd go out and about and I'd be at all these different gatherings going on, Sue was always there. And and she she never seems to be there by obligation or responsibility. And maybe she is, you know, but she always seems invested and engaged and fully attentive when she's there. Like she really loves being there. And I always admired that about you as well, Sue. So um, I respect you and admire you as a, as a leader and, um, and even more so as a friend. So uh, that's, that's my intro of you. What, what else would you like to to add to that about who you are and and, and what you do? Thanks. Um, Thank you, Chris. That was, that was fun. That was nice to listen to. And I, I appreciate you and Salam and Mountain West as well. You've just done a tremendous amount for me and my organization and um, truly appreciate it. And I know we have many more great things to come um, as partners. So uh, before I talk about my role, I kind of get into Boys and Girls Club as we start our conversation. I, um, I've been married to my best friend, the first gentleman I met in college um, for 38 years. Uh, my roommate was from a very small town. And so the two other boys from that very small town of course, immediately walked over to the girls' dorm to get introduced to as many girls as possible, and I left out, and um, we've been together since freshman year of college, which was a, many moons ago, and That's we have awesome. two amazing kids that, um, yeah, we had, we love and admire and appreciate the fact that they they enjoy hanging out with us as uh, as just as a group of adults and family members that care, each other, care about each other very much. Um, so... Uh, like Chris said, I'm the CEO of the Boys and Girls Club. We serve youth throughout Marion and Polk, Salem, Marion and Polk counties. We've grown. We're in our 50th year, which has been a very interesting year. But we have seven clubhouses as far north as Woodburn and then through Salem-Kaiser proper and into West Salem. Um, in a normal year, we'd serve over 13,000 youth a year um, through our pro- daily programs, our athletics, our 
health and dental services and workforce development programs. Um, and you mentioned this a little bit or alluded to it. I have, um, I have an amazing team and that is um, all encompassing of my 70 or so employees um, as well as my board of directors and my foundation trustees. We are all here for the kids at risk and the kids we serve throughout our communities. Um, it is our mission and focus to make sure that these kids have every opportunity and experience and resource so that they can really um, build their vision of what's possible in their lives as they spend their, their school years with us and that we have them ready to launch when they graduate from high school and, and move beyond beyond the club doors. Um, it's been a really, uh, I've been here 10 years, a little over 10 years, and it's really been an amazing experience um, and, a, and an amazing growth experience. Um, so with that, um, I think my, um, as my leadership opportunities for my first professional job, I was actually with a large insurance company here, corporation, national nationwide corporation that had a regional office here. And I, when I first joined that company, um, way back in the day, I was hired as a management trainee and there were very few females in the management trainee program. So I really felt like I had to work doubly hard um, to provide opportunities for myself um, within the organization. And I know I'd done this a lot growing up, um, you know, like student council and all those kind of things. But at work, I started to really be aware of raising my hand and say, I can do that. Um, everything from organizing freeway litter cleanup um, for the office to spinning off a, a new department and a project for um, um, assessing fire risk, which sounds really boring, but it was really interesting because it was the state of Alaska um, that became a model for the corporation. So um, I just, I, in my leadership career, um, I've really focused on how can I be a part of the solution, the progress, um, and leaning into those opportunities. I hate to interrupt, but um, I want to, I just want to, I'm reminiscing on, on, uh, I think, you know, right before I met you, I was meeting with uh, Tim Sinatra, a uh -huh. well-known leader in our community and uh, former uh, executive director of, of Boys and Girls uh -huh. Club. And, and then he shared, a, he shared a story about you, and you can correct any details about this story <laughs> okay. um, that you want, but, um, you know, he shared uh, that when he, was, when he was the executive director that, um, you know, you were hired. I can't remember in which capacity, uh, which capacity mm -hmm. you were initially hired in, but, but uh, when he was getting to know you, you had mentioned that, you know, one day you, you want to do what he's doing, right, and, and be uh, the leader of, of the club. Um, uh, or that you wanted to be able to grow into that role, if you will. And I, I was wondering, you know, because I'm probably way off on all those details, but I would love if you could share that that story with everybody. So I am, um, and um, and Tim and I continue to work closely together. Um, we're working in similar roles, right, in the community. So um, I came in about a year after Tim um, arrived in Salem, and I came in as chief operations officer. So I was responsible for overseeing programs, our clubhouses, um, our facility work in the seven clubs um, that we have. And um, during that time, got to work on some pretty audacious projects um, in that role. Um, when I got here, Tim and I sat down. I think he was, I think he was actually, we had a lunch interview, just the two of us. And um, 
he's, he said, we need to reset our program service models to make sure that, like I mentioned earlier, all of our kids are ready to fly. Um, we were more of a rec-focused um, program, which is fantastic and needed. Um, but we needed to pull in those tools and, and resources and experiences for our kids. And some of the things we pulled off during that time was, um, one is I'm, I'm very proud of, we partnered with Chemeketa Community College and um, had a middle school, basically a magnet program on Chemeketa's campus out in the Ag Portables. And um, for six months, we had a, a middle school program that was focused on communication careers and we aligned it with state learning standards, and it was hands-on project-based learning. And um, the the capstone project was um, the students that put together about a thirty-minute newscast um, at uh, at um, CCTV's studio, and they did everything from you know person on the street to weather reports to sports, you know high school sports to um, current events, the whole shebang. And um, it was it was a fantastic. Um, opportunity for these kids to really feel like they were successful on the college campus. Uh, we had graduation and um, they're like, bring it on. I'm going to college uh, or going into this trades program or whatnot, but they, it really set their focus. Um, and what that led to that success led to, we um, collectively, we, we launched our designing for impact was what we called it, but um, it was another really intentional overhaul of our, program service model and our whole, you know, whole child philosophy. Um, we updated our facilities, our programs, our technology, and all of that to ensure that our kids were ready to be successful in the, in, in the 21st century. So um, we did some pretty, and continue to do some pretty amazing um, projects and initiatives to, to bring opportunities to those kids. So um, not exact. So those are, those are a couple of the things that I can think of that, that Tim might've shared about. Yeah, well, you know, it speaks to, um, you know, what you mentioned uh, before, uh, prior to recording was, you know, you raised your hand. And uh, I think we, we can dive into this a little bit more. You know, that's such a, uh, I think, a helpful thing for, for leaders to, you know, develop a mentality toward. Obviously, there's a balance of we have to learn how to, how to say no and how to, how to manage, you know, our time wisely. But there's, I think there's power in the idea of, of the mentality of I raised, I raised my hand, um, because, uh, opportunities come by and, and if we're prepared to, for them, uh, I think is a lot of time is when, you know, it, something happens, you know, is when uh, a move changes, uh, a move happens in our life. Um, something significant happens in our life. We were talking about this in one of the previous episodes that we had with, uh, Chris Moore, you know, talking about how are, are we ready and prepared for when these moments um, you know, cross our paths. And so I think the mentality of our, I raise my hand, you know, um, uh, goes a long way. So uh, I think there, there's, there's power to there, power there. And I'd love to, you know, to continue to hear more uh, from you uh, regarding that idea of uh, I raise my hand. Mm -hmm. And just to back up real quick, because it is being ready for those opportunities. Tim and I have been gathering with other community leaders at Chemeca to talk about how we could build kind of a, how we could build a hub on campus that would support um, uh, students, um, families, because um, it is the gathering place. Chemeketa is the gathering place. And at the same time, we've been chatting with um, a corporation about a possible grant, and, they, and it was X amount. And, they, and on one of our calls, the corporation said, but if you have a really amazing idea, talk to us. 
And so we turned around and we brought that, that middle school communications career program to them. And they're like, that is a really amazing idea. Here's the extra money. And that's, that's what enabled us to go back to our partners at Chemeketa to say, okay, we're going to launch this, this, uh, this magnet school, this um, communications career program. So you absolutely have to be, have to be ready and take advantage of the opportunities and the relationships you have um, with, so you are able to launch, you know, some amazing projects or move, um, move projects forward. Um, you had mentioned earlier, um, Chris, about my involvement with a variety of things in town and, um, and, and I do love to be a part of, of the solution and the conversation um, to better our community. We've got amazing partners and made me think of one thing um, where it's, we need to come together to make a difference. Um, Chris and I both sit on the Marion County Children and Families Commission. And um, I've been on there for, I guess, since I took the CEO role. Um, so five, five plus years. Um, and they've been looking we've been looking as a commission to find a project that really fulfills our mission to uh, work collaboratively to, um, to do, do something, do something of value in our community that we as individual organizations would be able to accomplish. And um, my organization, the club has been um, blessed with an amazing opportunity to um, build a clubhouse in Northeast Salem, which um, my organization had done a study of, it, the needs in that area and the resources and it really where that piece of property sits that will be our club new clubhouse um it, there was a dearth of resources for those families and for the kids after school and then this opportunity came by to 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 build a clubhouse and we're we're deep into our capital campaign right now and um are finding great success um anyway um, I brought the clubhouse and a secondary project of the foundation that's going to be a, a building that has wraparound services so that families in that area can find the resources and tools they need to really um, enhance their quality of life and opportunities that they have. And the, um, the Children and Families Commission members said, we want to tackle that. We want to, the clubhouse and this second phase uh, is going to be a catalyst for hope in the Northeast Salem community. And we're going to bring in our neighbors, soon to be neighbors, and we're going to talk to them about um, where their needs and dreams and um, goals are for their families, for their kids. And that's how we're going to shape what goes into this next phase, um, this second property and, and the office space or, or convening space that will be there. And um, during some of those conversations, and Chris, you were part of one of these, we had. Um, an elementary principal whose um, kids will be coming to our club when we open it. And um, there's an apartment, a complex just south of this, the club property. We call it the Homestead Club. Um, anyway, um, she called her kids that lived in those apartments window watchers because there's no safe place to play on the, on the apartment property. So bus drops them off after school. They go in their house, their apartment and do their thing. And, um, she was just so eager for the club to be open. And um, the other day I was on the property with, um, with our benefactor and some, some other construction folks. And we were deciding where to move some um, treasured trees, treasured landscaping. And uh, we were really close to the apartment at that time. And sure enough, two little girls 
open the window and it's raining and it's windy and it's cold. They open the window and they're like, hey, hey, what are you guys doing? What are you guys doing over there? Because they know we've got to sign up. They know that there's going to be a club there um, sooner rather than later. And they're like mm-hmm. wanting to make friends. So um, that was really heartwarming. You know, we saw the window watchers, I guess is what mm-hmm. I'm saying. And um, that there's such an amazing opportunity for us as we build that club and, and grow in that neighborhood. Um, the opportunities that we're going to be able to bring those kids. Yeah. And, you know, I want to just go a little deeper with, with that, that commission. I feel like it, it relates to one of the concepts in our, um, in our leadership Institute, which you've been a part of uh, this year. And I, I, you know, I failed to mention that in the, in the introduction of you that, that, uh, you know, Sue is, is uh, one of our, our founding cohort members uh, in our leadership institute, but you know we're talking about that that commission. I kind of came in as not a member, but a third party consultant, if you will. And the commission, you know, consists of essentially executive level leaders from all over our community of different nonprofits, you know, um, public entities. You got you know sheriff's department, juvenile department, the schools. Um, all of our major nonprofits and any any entity in our community that is focused on children and, and families. So you have all of these leaders, and and uh, you know it's a lot easier said than done to collaborate, um, especially when when you come together. And it's only for for once a month for a lunch. And so uh, you know I wasn't there long long term. I've just recently been a, a member for you uh-huh. know about a year, but. Um, and before that was as a consultant, but you know, the, what I heard before was that a, a lot didn't really happen with the group. We, we'd come to come together for lunch and then we'd go back into our lives. And, and if there, there was anything that was happening, it, you know, there wasn't always a full collaboration and, and support from one another behind it. And so, uh, when we started working together and specifically using outward mindset, you know, I, I didn't know the whole history firsthand, but I was able to see this transformation that happened. And we focused on mindset. And I'll say this, I'll throw this plug in there, soil work for several weeks, a uh, few months actually, before we ever said, okay, what are we going to do? What are some seeds that we can now plant? And so I thought, I've always thought that that was a great example, kind of at this high community level amongst leaders of them taking the time to cultivate soil first, you know, to use language from our, our curriculum and our institute um, before ideas can be planted, right? Because there's plenty of ideas, plenty of things to do, plenty of initiatives, plenty of programs, but for them to really take root, um, especially within a group like this, you know, the soil had to be cultivated. And Salam, you can chime in too at any point here as we're talking about the framework and as it relates to kind of a real, you know, scenario in our community. But Sue, just interested in in your perspective, you know, over that time frame of of the soil being cultivated, I mean, how did you feel? You know, people's hearts and minds were changing, uh, not towards the community. They all care about the community. They all care about kids and families, but towards one another to make it possible to do something together that would collectively impact uh, the community. Just really interested in your take on 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 maybe it changes that you saw first within yourself, maybe with that group, but also within the group that you were able to observe. Right. I, I believe just thinking about it quickly that um, the, the members of the commission that are at the table right now and have been in my, in my time 
um, there was a layer, a layer of dialogue between ourselves and about what, what we're all up to and what our challenges are, I guess, seeing people, seeing our organizations and seeing where the challenges are and where the opportunities lie um, as collaborators and as partners to make a difference in the community. I, I feel like in my time there, um, my fellow members didn't want to just take on a project because it was presented to them. They wanted to understand from the different organizations where their opportunities were and where their challenges were. And um, I remember the day, the meeting that um, Troy Gregg, who's the juvenile director um, in Marion County, and I was talking about the homestead property and the, the two phases, the clubhouse and this wraparound services phase that'll come later. Um, He's like, that, that is the catalyst of change for that community, Sue. This is, this is what we need to do, right? Um, the commission is very interested in building hope within our community. And this was that thing that we could all see was, was going to bring hope to that community, that part of our community. So it was a, it was a meeting day. It's like all of, our, all of our minds clicked to say, this is it. This is it. This is something that uh, we can all um, lean into and participate in, and most most importantly, um, all of the entities around the table, they have children and families in that neighborhood that are going to be uh, extremely impacted by this property and the future that it will build. Um, so it is that is it is that building the soil, understanding where everyone is coming from on the commission membership, and then looking out to see to the soil seeds and weeds theory is here's some seeds we can plant and then we can understand the beautiful flowers that are going to grow from those seeds in the soil that we've been caring for as a, as a membership and by extension out into the community. So um, this is Salam speaking, speaking of soil and I want to go back to this notion of I raise my hand, Mm -hmm. which it sounds like at the time it really took a lot of courage on your part to say, I'm ready, I'm able, I'm willing, I just need an opportunity. And you saw an opportunity and you put yourself out there. So I want to bring it back to uh, this question. And I think it's really key to soil as we were, we were just discussing it. And that is, why is it important to have clubs like the Boys and Girls Club in communities like Salem and Kaiser and Woodburn. Woodburn is in Marion County and you serve Marion County. Why is it really important for our soil to have, to have clubs like yours mm-hmm. that do the kinds of things that you do? Yeah. Um, it's interesting you asked that question. I could go on for hours, of course, but um, I was on a call this morning with uh, one of my board members and he was a club kid and um, he's a very successful businessman here in town. And he started coming to the club. He lived just down the street from our main branch with his older brother. And his older brother was bringing him because he was starting to run around with the wrong kids. He was making some poor choices. And um, so older brother started to bring him to the club. Um, He got involved. Um, He was out playing basketball in our gym. You know, every day that was kind of the, that was the carrot. Come on in, we'll play basketball. But then he, he, our, our, staff, which they're wonderful at doing and so passionate about, um, our staff started building that trusting, safe, caring relationship with him. And with that trusting relationship, 
the our program folks could start to talk about um, him getting involved in different leadership programs or different activities, civic events, those kinds of things. And because he had such trust and faith in our staff, he's like, I'll do that. He was raising his hand, right? I'll do that. I'll do that. Um, he eventually became involved when he was 17 in a, in a, we call it youth of the year. And it's an opportunity to really highlight um, youth across the state and then nationally, um, how they've grown as leaders by virtue of their time with the club. And um, he won our state events, had no idea. He didn't even think it was going to happen, but he won the state events. And then the staff brings him along and he goes to the regional events and he, and, and ended up with an opportunity um, in 2004, um, Oprah Winfrey's show called him and said, we want you to come and be on Oprah Winfrey. Um, so he did. He went and had an episode with Oprah and he had dinner with Oprah and the whole shebang. Um, and with that came a scholarship that allowed him to go to college, be debt free when he came out and go right into the career that he has now. Um, and that was a long answer, but it's that we're that safe nurturing place where we can serve the whole child. Um, not they're just not just their academics and making sure that they're getting their homework and they're passing classes, but um, to build their self-esteem, to build them as leaders, and to, like I said earlier, to really help them broaden their vision of what's possible. I've talked to so many little kids and high schoolers that it's like, well, I just hope I don't go to, um, you know, I don't go to jail like my brother did or um, there was a little girl here for several years that um, she'd go in the art room and she made beautiful art. Her parents, her situation here at the club was always safe and she could stretch herself. But she never really knew what it was going to be like when, she, when her parents picked her up because often they were homeless. So she didn't know from one day to the next if she was going to be in a, in a regular bed in a home or if she was going to be sleeping in the car. So yeah. just to have that consistency and care. Um, and again, listening to this board member today, he's like, I needed that. And I, it, it just, you know, it spoke to me. And so every time there was an opportunity provided to me to stretch and grow, I took it because I trusted the people, the staff at the club had everything, all the best for me. It's just, it was just this amazing story about how he learned and grew and took chances and everything has um, just come out so well for him. And I can tell you just a million stories about kids that that's happened for because of the programs and the people that we have here. Sue, uh, thanks for sharing that. Um, I didn't know that. That's uh, a really cool uh, story about that gentleman. Um, you know, you, you're, we've touched on this, but you're, you know, you're the leader at Boys and Girls Club uh, because you raised your hand, but I want to, I want to, you know, take it a step further um, to talk about, you know, what happens as a result of we raised our hand. Right. Um, mm -hmm. And so how is, how has leading the Boys and Girls Club and being a, you know, uh, a leader there and being involved, how's that changed, changed your leadership and changed you as a leader? How's it, how's it impacted that? So uh, a variety of ways, um, the kids that come to the club and the challenges that many of them face um, makes me very humble and grateful for what I have. And um, they also make you very humble because they'll call you on the carpet <laughs> with something silly you might be doing, the kids. Um, but they just thrive on that relationship piece. The other piece to it is um, 
my team, my leadership team here, and my program folks, they are, um, they are very young leaders. A lot of them, the vast majority of my leaders here, um, this is, again, their first professional career. So how do I set the stage and walk alongside them um, to help them learn and grow? And one thing that I share with my folks as we're talking about their current role and where they want to go, what, what they want to do, sometimes we're just a stop. We're that first, you know, real adult job, but we're a stop. You know, they may, they, um, they might ultimately want to go into teaching or often social work um, are the two, two of the main careers that folks move on from too. Um, but what I share with them is as I move through my different careers, um, you know, that the corporate world, and then I moved into nonprofit world and had several stops. Um, it to tell them to not expect for your career path to go to be a ladder that we often speak about. Mm. It's, mine's been a jungle gym. And um, for them to understand and to think about every opportunity that you're provided or you raise your hand for, that just gives you another set of partners. It gives you another set of skills. Um, and it gives you the opportunity for that next step on the jungle gym. So I've been crisscrossing careers, you know, till now I'm here and I'm very grateful for this role. Um, but it's important to understand that all of the experiences that you have um, come together at a certain point to really come to fruition for the work that you ultimately want to do. And that's where I am right now. Yeah. So, um, so if, if I may just build on that, um, Sue, so, so when you look at young and emerging leaders, if you will, or even aspiring leaders mm -hmm. in your organization, and those that have not had the benefit of this varied career path, because I honestly think this diverse experience helps shape us as leaders. Um, what do you do for them? Because as a leader, we have a responsibility to cultivate leadership and develop other leaders. So what opportunities do you afford um, your teammates, your team members, your staff to grow their leadership? and to become uh, the leader that you are without having to jump around. Because, I mean, the workplace today is, the nature of it is that people do actually change jobs more frequently than has been the case in the past. But we also know that quite often they stay within the same um, career area. Uh -huh. So their path may not be as diverse as yours and may not have the same richness of experiences, but you want them to be leaders like you, to have your qualities, your traits. What do you do to cultivate that in them? So, well, a variety of things. Um, my folks know that I stay true to my personal and professional values, right? I, I have a, uh, here at the club, I have a, we have a mission. We have a strong, strong purpose, and we're all in that and passionate about it. Um, but I will stay true to my decisions because I, and I, and I want them to understand that and to in turn, as they're making decisions about their roles, staying true to our mission and to their values um, and transparency and humility is a part of that, a big part of that. Um, I think, and this is part of that, the soil work um, is to really listen. My, for me to really listen and give my folks opportunity 
to talk to me, to challenge me, um, and to ID, you know, generate ideas with me. Um, I prefer to give people opportunity and then lead, lead from behind. I don't need to be in the limelight. Um, so I will, uh, we provide opportunities for our aspiring and current leaders to get involved in community work that would, would not normally be something, a direction that they would have opportunity to do or to chair committees or to, you know, I was talking about some of the uh, big projects that we did early on in my career here. Um, it's bringing alongside multiple of our leaders to say, we're doing this together, right? And everybody plays to their strengths and learns from the folks on the team that they're working with. Um, I think those are the, those are the main things around how I, I work with, with my folks. Um, you know, you, as a leader, your folks, like they worry, you know, the boss is busy. I don't want to bugger. Um, and Salam, you and I were talking about this earlier this week. It's, you have to make really purposeful intention to say, this is our time together. And I really want to understand what you're up to, uh, what you're excited about, what your challenges are. And, um, and, uh, as part of our conversation and getting to building the soil and um, really getting to see people and to know people um, is really important to me. Quick example, I have a young man that is, that works directly with our kids, elementary kids uh, during this um, comprehensive distance learning time for us. And he's a student at Western Oregon and he had a, a business class project. He had to interview a leader of a business and um, through his supervisor, he started with his supervisor and he asked his supervisor, may I interview you about Boys and Girls Club? And supervisor said, same as Brandon, um, supervisor said, no, go talk to Sue. Sue is way too busy. I say to this, I say hello to this young man every morning when he checks in. Um, he's like, no, you got to talk to Sue. So um, I hadn't heard from the young man for a couple of days after I'd heard from his supervisor. And um, so I went in, I, I caught up with him and I said, okay, when are we going to schedule our visit? And so the next day he had some dates for me and we sat down um, earlier this week and just a delightful conversation with him about what his project, of course, but also where he wants to go after he graduates from, from Western. So um, just being intentional about making time for your folks is so vitally important. It's also right now for me, it's a big challenge because of just the layers of things that, um, that we're involved in right now. So that intentionality is very important. Yeah, there's uh, there's a lot of connections to several things that you're you're saying, and I want to do my best to to recap some things here to to bring it to where my my brain's at right now. But um, you, you know, you shared you shared a lot from that question of what have you learned from being a leader? You know, for the, at the club, you started with humility. Um, you know, and again, this is totally understandable of why why that comes along with the job because you you see sometimes the not so happy parts of people's lives um, and kids for that matter. And those have, uh, you know, the, the, the power to, to humble us. Um, and although it's unfortunate, you know, um, for different people and, and kids and families to experience those things, it is always humbling for us to be somehow connected to it and, and for you through the club. And so I heard that, but then you mentioned that it's helped you walk alongside um, your, your, you know, your people, the, the employees at, at the club, and, and a lot of them are, are uh, younger. It's their first, you know, um, 
you know, career or job out of, out of, out of college or out of school, wherever they, they came from. And I think that humility is required in order to do that, in order to really walk alongside um, uh, some of your, your, your people and then to take the time, like you said, to be intentional, um, to really see uh, people the way that you do, because you are, you are busy and you have a lot on your plate. And, and, and I know that, and I'm always sensitive too. Uh, you know, when I, when I need to reach out for you to, to you for things, you know, cause I know that you have a lot going on as do a lot of our leaders in our community, but, but to see people really sometimes requires us to be intentional about it. Um, and seeing people is something that we often talk about in our leadership Institute. It's part of soil. And, and, you know, you saying that you sharing that example of that young man and you taking the time to, to talk to him, it reminds me of, you know, I used to work at, uh, at Arbinger, um, you know, my first, my first day when I joined their, their corporate, uh, uh, team, uh, the, one of the managing founding partners of, of the Institute, um, uh, Jim Farrell, uh, very busy person, you know, an, uh, an author, uh, just has a million things on his plate. Uh, you know, he called, he had me come in his office and he took, I don't know, 30, 45 minutes just to talk to me about, what I wanted in life, you know, and he said, look, I, I, for, to me, it doesn't really matter how long you stay here at, at Arbinger, as long as we help you get to where you want to go. And I'll never forget that interaction, you know, the humility, um, and the walking alongside me, uh, uh, and what it meant to me as a, you know, as a young uh, professional. And, and so I, I love, I love what you're sharing. I think these are things that, that leaders, um, need to do more of because it's really easy to get caught up in our in our to-do list and our schedules and, and the things that, that we have going on. But, but leaders, some, sometimes we're the only ones that should or could or can have those interactions and they can be transformative for people. And so, you know, talking about, you've shared it through stories, but I'd love to hear just, you know, how you would, you would word it. But for you, what does it mean to not only cultivate not just cultivate soil generically, but to, you know, one of the root, one of the core essence, you know, concepts behind cultivating soil, seeing people, what does that, you know, what does that mean, mean to you? Well, I, you know, I touched on a little bit earlier and again, through stories, but um, particularly now, um, you know, we're close to Thanksgiving. We're, we're all staying, uh, we're all staying away from the people that we care most about. Right. And, um, what I've come to more deeply realize over these last eight or nine months is um, you can deeply see people as the challenges that they have at work um, and the opportunities they have at work. But now we really truly have to deeply see people on that more personal level um, because we just don't know what people are dealing with um, in their personal, in their personal lives and their relationships. Um, and with their health and wellness and all that comes with the times that we're in. So giving people grace. I know my people give me grace, which I'm very appreciative of because I, I mess up all the time. Um, but they're, and they're willing to tell me in a very polite way <laughs> um, when I do mess up and they mean it with kindness. Um, but it is truly to, to be mindful of all the layers that folks are um, experiencing right now. Um, for my frontline staff um, who are helping with that, um, with the distance learning every day um, with, with the kids that we're serving in our clubhouses, um, 
my staff are having to deal with the anxiety of the kids right now. They don't want to be on Chromebooks. They want to they want to go in the gym and play. They want to, whatever it might be. Um, and so there, my staff are seeing layers and layers of anxiety that they are here and eager to support our kids with. But then I, we all need to be mindful of the fact that they're they're wearing that anxiety for their kids. Um, it's just a it's a you know it's an outcome of being human that you for people that you care about that you t- try to take on some of that anxiety or, or grief or um, whatever it might be. And so that has added a whole new layer of how I'm being mindful and um, taking care of my soil to try to give my folks the tools that they, additional tools that they need to feel, to, for them to feel belong, a sense of belonging and, um, and safe and a place or opportunities to blow off some steam in a healthy way, right? Um, because we're all in our varying roles, we're all going through a lot. Um, so again, just you, we have to be more mindful about um, deeply, deeply seeing our people in a lot of new and challenging ways. Yeah, and uh, you know that's such a seeing people is such a simple, you know, concept. All of us. I've heard it before. We we know what it means, um, but we we really we never we never stop learning from it. And something that I've continued to learn about it as I've had to, you know, uh, consult on it, teach it, write about it, all right. sorts of things. This idea of seeing people as people, I I feel like I'm nowhere near expert in it. Obviously, I'm the first to say I feel it that daily, starting with seeing people closest to me as as people all the time. But one thing I've learned, and you've said this is it requires intentionality, especially when we move to this level of deeply seeing. Um, that's not just a quick you know, switch in our brain that we can flip of, all right, I'm going to deeply see now. No. <laughs> it's a, it's in, there, there's intentionality behind this, behind it. And it, it causes us to be, to be different and, and to do different things. We think differently. And, you know, a, along this idea of raising our hand, you know, I feel like if leaders, if we're going to metaphorically raise our hands to anything, it should be, we'll be the first ones to, to see, uh, to deeply see. And along with that comes what you've mentioned as well is this, this higher level of accountability that if, if I'm being intentional about deeply seeing others, that it, in the same breath, I have to be, I have to admit and, and, realize that I haven't been seeing people as people. And that's always the hard pill, pill to swallow is, is in our effort to really see, we have to also face the fact that, gosh, I, I don't always see people as, as people. I, I don't always regard others the way that I like to be regarded. I don't, I'm not always mindful of people uh, and, and what they have on their plate as I, as I should be. And so that's the, that's the hard part about it, which is why I don't think all, a lot of us raise our hands to to be the first to deeply see others because we have to admit our faults. Um, but I think that that should be one of the first, the thing, the first things that we do as leaders um, is we intentionally every day raise our hand to see, see others as people to mm-hmm. deeply see them because it, it requires that intentionality. Mm-hmm. I, I totally agreed. And, and I think now with um, so many people uh, having or choosing to work from home too, 
So um, in any organization, but for my organization, um, some can work from home and they do, and that's really important. Um, others can't because they're the frontline workers with kids, but that deeply seeing piece with the folks that are working remotely, um, there's, a, there's kind of a mind challenge that folks see that, well, if I'm working from home, maybe my boss doesn't think I'm working enough or, or I'm working too much and to that intentionality piece goes with literally seeing people and having yeah, those yeah. conversations. But it's also, um, for instance, parents that are working from home and they're trying to keep their kids engaged in classwork, um, understanding that, that um, there has to be that distance right now. And how do we, how do we figure out how to best have that virtual communication and stay truly connected to so that there's a mutual agreement slash trust that um, we're all doing, again, what we need to do for the benefit of the youth that we serve. Um, but as we got into the remote work, um, we did have some kind of friction around who gets to work from home, who doesn't, um, and to be equitable about that. But then we had a, we had a, you know, a frank, frank discussion about why, why it is what it is, but it was really an important discussion to be had. So folks understood what we can do and what we can't do and how we can meet in the middle. Um, yeah. So I, I value, and I've already said this, but I really value my team across all of our operation, um, their willingness to, um, to be transparent with me and to challenge me um, because that helps me see them more deeply. And yes, I mess up all the time and it's like, okay guys, we've got this to get done and this to get done. And I have, I have deadlines and I can't be there. So I need you to do this and, and whatnot. But um, I feel like I've, I've improved upon that tremendously over this last year because of um, the rooted leadership Institute. It's it. Um, the, you know, the people that are in that class of leaders, our cohort of leaders, the vast majority of them I've worked with um, within the community for years. And um, so I know them, but the institute ha and, the, and the theory around soil, seeds, and weeds, I feel very strongly that um, the venue and our time together has provided all of us to really see each other in a whole different way. Um, you know, our challenges, our goals, our, our um, you know, things that are working and things that aren't and where the angst is and where the opportunities are. And um, I know that it has enabled us to really deepen our relationships, both on a personal level, but, um, but on a professional level where I know that our collaborations uh, moving into the future are going to be that much more successful and um, more deeply impact the work that we do collectively because we understand everybody better. We understand, mm -hmm. we understand them as a human being, right? And not just the work that they do and the mission that they have. And I'm very yeah. grateful for that. Yeah, no, I, I love all that. Thank you. I, I, uh, you actually answered one of the questions I was going to ask. I was going to ask a little bit more about your, your experience being in, in groundwork this year, but you, you spoke to that um, well, and you, and I like that you brought up uh, seeds and, and weeds also. Um, Cause I feel like you are a great person to answer this question, you know, of, you know, we talk about soil as 
as the people. And when we cultivate soil, we, it means we really deeply see them. It means we are accountable to changing first. It means that we raise our hand when something goes wrong. We raise our hand as the first one that can change and be better. Um, and, and we see, and we're intentional and, in, in, in deeply seeing others around us. But then we also talk about seeds being the ideas that we have, the initiatives that we deploy. It's, it's, it's our innovate, innovative efforts um, to make things work, you know, the tangible evidence of, of us, you know, trying to, to, to act and, and to do things, you know, the, again, the ideas and, and the projects that, that we manage, that's what we mean by seeds. And then you brought up weeds. Weeds are the, the conflict um, that we are sure to face if we're not already facing. And we, we focus in, in the Institute on how can we have transformative experiences with those. Um, and so I wanted to ask you, you know, the general question of from your experience in, in groundwork and, and as a leader in general, how does cultivating soil and spending our time in the soil as leaders um, help with seeds, you know, help with, help with us getting the most out of the things that we're currently doing and, and all the seeds planted in our soil, the old and new ones? And how does it help us with, you know, transformative experiences with with the conflict that usually cause us all sorts of grief but help us you know experience those uh differently question makes sense how, how does soil cult, uh, cultivating the soil and focus on soil impact both seeds and weeds and i can give you a specific example because chris and i are on the same wavelength it seems like uh we're asking the similar questions but an example of that is um, to put it in the context of the framework, and I want to focus it on weeds, but how does cultivating the soil help you with that? So when you talked about your staff operating in the midst of this pandemic, you talked about stress, you talked about potential conflict as to who gets to work from home, who has to come into the office. Uh, you talked about um, just the personal struggles that they may be having. Of course, the inner conflict that they're facing, knowing that their kids that they typically serve are struggling. Uh, there is this notion of self-preservation, especially when you're operating in an environment that is unpredictable right now. I mean, I'm sure it has an impact. It has had an impact on your workforce. Um, there is a tendency for us sometimes to blame, especially when we can't control anything, uh, and that may lead to conflict. Um, and then things are kind of thrown out of balance. Mm -hmm. You know, you're not operating in the normal way you typically operate. Your whole operation, your whole facility, uh, facilities, and just the way you do business is not normal, if you will. Mm -hmm. So that in itself, for me, can put a great deal of stress on the organization. And that's what I would characterize in this particular con context as the weeds mm -hmm. section. So. Uh, going back to Chris's question, so how, you know, how do you manage that organizational conflict and tension through the cultivation of soil? So uh, to start, what comes to mind is providing our team in various Zoom venues uh, opportunity to talk about what their challenges are, what they feel really good about. Um, in regard to either things that are happening in their personal life or um, things they're accomplishing up to benefit the kids. Um, we are, we're building and working on a culture and I, and I can feel it here, even in this stressful time um, 
our folks know that other people, our folks know that their peers, their, their managers, me, my executive team, we've got their backs, right? We can't control everything in the world. That sounds silly to say out loud. Um, but we can do everything we can to support them and um, provide them that, that, that safe place. And so having their backs, um, opportunities to just really be transparent with each other has been really, really helpful. Um, because we're all this, we're all in this for the same reason. We all have different jobs and responsibilities, but, um, just talking about the fact that we're all here, we're all here for these kids and, um, and then we can take it, we can take it from there. I think the other pieces that I am really mindful of in regard to the soil, um, both within my organization, as well as in the community, um, you know, as a, as a nonprofit, we're fundraisers um, and um, partners with others. Um, but I always want to leave a positive wake, right? Um, because you're always, you never know one when you're going to re- um, have another interaction with someone or a group. Um, so always leaving a positive wake and building an opportunity and to continue to, to work together, to partner together, um, to stay in touch with um, because again, with my jungle gym analogy, um, folks that I worked with when I um, was a volunteer for United Way many moons ago, um, there were folks within the school district that I got to know well. And, um, you know, that's, that's not necessarily where I met you, Salam, but it was because of my relationships with the school district as a volunteer. I've gotten, to, I've gotten a lot of opportunities to work with schools, with district leadership and whatnot um, to benefit our kids, our school district's kids are my kids, right? So, um, so again, being intentional, being transparent, telling folks how, how, how we can work together, that telling them, um, talking about how we can work together, um, playing to people's strengths. I think all those and leaving that positive wake. So there's always opportunity to, to come back together, um, to work together and, um, just that support piece right now in particular is huge, but that's, that's the way I roll <laughs> at any point in time. I hope I answered your question. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, absolutely. Um, you know, I heard having each other's backs, transparency, um, being intentional. I think those are all, you know, things we could discuss for, <laughs> for a couple more, more hours. Um, but uh, we have a few minutes left here. Um, and this has been, this has been rich, uh, a lot of ground we've covered and, and I like, you know, that it started with, uh, and, you know, we tried to sort of plan for the, the conversation to be about raising the, the hand. Um, but, you know, it really started with that question of, uh, or that concept that you brought up of being willing to raise your hand, um, as leaders, uh, not just to do something and, and to, you know, that the opportunities that come by, but you know, what we've been talking about recently, we should metaphorically raise our hand, um, you know, when, when things don't go so well, when we're hit with uh, a curveball uh, and, and a pandemic happens and um, there's tension around us, are we first to raise our hand and being the ones that can change um, initially? Are we being intentional about that? Um, I think that those simple concepts for leaders go a really long way. 
uh, and I appreciate you, you know, expounding on them and sharing some of your own experiences. Um, to close, you know, we like to ask uh, this question, um, and uh, we always have a couple of questions that we like to ask at the end. But I always, usually, they're answered already. Like you've already answered some of them, so I'm not going to ask them. It'd be a little redundant, but but one that I don't know if you 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 answered in some of the stories you shared, but would love to hear uh, as some of your closing remarks, you know, is who in your life has been um, uh, somebody, whether it's, you know, a leader that you've, you've, you've had, uh, it could be a parent, uh, you know, uh, a sibling, a friend, but somebody that's, um, that you've admired, that you've, you've learned uh, a lot from some of the core components of your leadership. Mm-hmm. And, and you know and and why so who's that person and why i can think of a few i can think of a few folks but so i'll speak quickly to it but one would be my parents because i'm in the middle of three girls and um had a, a my dad was a banker and my mom was a stay-at-home mom and so um they always inspired and aspired for us to be great wives moms and then something more something much much more um Early on in my career, I had, uh, with the insurance company I was talking about earlier, I had a, a great boss that um, that provided me those opportunities that I was talking about. He, he saw early on that I was eager to grow as a leader. And so he's like, come on, Sue, we're going. Um, so just his trust in my ability to grow was really important to me. And then um, the last person I can think of, or the another person that was a very strong leader for me was uh, Mike McLaren. He was with the chamber for many years. Um, I knew him long before I worked at the chamber for a short period of time. He was on my board of directors at United way. Um, But just the way he talked to people, he looked at people, he took time for people, um, whether it was a really strategic conversation or it was just a, you know, a offhand conversation about, baseball and what my son or my daughter, my son was doing with his little league baseball team. Um, he was one that just would really lean in to people and, um, just give him, give people his time, which he didn't have. (laughs) And again, that speaks volumes when people are willing to make time to invest in you and just, just spend time with you sometimes. And that is always, that has always stayed with me. Thanks Sue. Uh Appreciate that um, and appreciate, you know, the time that, that you've given us uh, today. Salam, appreciate you always uh, tuning in as our, as our co-host. I wish you could be in the studio with me today, but I'm glad I can still see the both of you via Zoom. Um, been well, well taught today, a lot of uh, concepts that we, we've covered, um, a lot of, uh, couple of, you know, sub-themes and a lot to learn from and and sue again uh, thanks for for being on on the show thanks for being part of groundwork in our you know founding year uh, you've been really instrumental in that um and i appreciate it and i know that you're going to continue to be involved you know uh, after this year as as an alumni and being a presenter coming back and then a mentor to some of our future participants um but appreciate you and um hope you know that how we feel about you i respect and admire you and and you know thanks for tuning in to our listeners just a question i'd i'd urge you to continue asking yourself um is you know are you are you raising your hand and are you being the first to raise your hand 
not just with opportunities that that come your way that can potentially be advantageous as a leader, but are you raising your hand even when nobody else wants to, when there's uh, something that needs to be fixed or when there's a problem at hand, are you the first to, to raise it in, in, admit, in, in realizing that maybe you could have been better? Um, I know that I need to work on that and uh, in, in being intentional about uh, seeing my, my own faults and, and growing uh, from it. So uh, thanks everyone for tuning in. Uh, Until next time, be safe and we'll catch you later.